So I think you need to pay your dreams more respect than you pay your failures. You know, you, you can't be paralyzed by fear and what could go wrong. And whilst I was getting more successful in business, my health was paying the price for it. You know, the last thing that I want is for them in 20 years to have a relationship or a lack of relationship with me like I've got with my dad. That would be my worst nightmare. The sooner you're going to be to live in a more, I guess, a happier and more fulfilled life, doing something you actually feel passionate about. Ben Moore is the dad that's proving that not having a conventional relationship with your own father shouldn't be the thing that stops you in life. He's building one of the most creative estate agency brands in the UK right now. And all of that work is underpinned by a very specific mission. We talk about careers, what it's like for dads who are making a career pivot right now, and what it's like to run a business as an entrepreneur. This is Father Forward. Dads, hello. This is episode five of the Father Forward podcast, and I am really, really happy to be joined by Ben Moore. So, Ben... I have been stalking you for a while on uh, across Facebook and LinkedIn, actually. I've seen your, your property content. Ben works in, in a state agency, but he's one of the, the agents who, um, who I look at who's really kind of pushing the model forward and, and doing really, really great things with, with content. So I've seen your kind of story play out in a state agency over the last, the last couple of years, as probably a lot of people have. And so I was intrigued to learn more about you, like your story, where you built all these behaviors. You've obviously got a background in, in fitness as well. But let's start with the, the the standard question. How are you feeling? How's everything going? Yeah, good, mate. Really good, really good. I just feel as though we need to make this conversation interesting very quick because you probably lost 90% of people as soon as you said the word estate agent, Nathan. So uh, yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. <laughs> as a guy that works in recruitment, we got a recruiter and an estate agent. If we got a car salesman on the call, we'd be we'd lose everyone with it. Oh, 100%. I mean, there's a traffic warden next door. I'll give him a shout if you want. <laughs> Where did you... Yeah, tell us about tell us about you, Ben. Let, let's go back to like the very, very... Very early days. So obviously, you you moved into a different area now, but you were born in Manchester, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm born. I was born in a. I grew up in a place called Middleton in in Manchester, sort of near like Oldham Way. Randomly, I speak to a lot of people from over that way, or people that I tell them from there tend to know Middleton. I don't know why it's only a small town, but yeah, I grew up in Manchester, and I live over in the Falk House now. So obviously, me and you sort of share an area with often bump into each other in the pub and in Costa Coffee and all the rest of it. So I moved over here about five, six years ago with my now partner to kind of set up camp and be a grown up and sold a business in Manchester and use that money to get on the property ladder. And uh, yeah, I've not looked back since. So loving it where we are. We recently moved again, actually, sort of towards the end of last year, we moved to a little village called Ellswick. So sort of more rural files, but uh, yeah, very happy here, mate. Very happy. Good. When did you, when you, when you look back, we're we're fairly similar in that we've always kind of pursued that entrepreneurial interest and gone after startups and launched companies. And I always find that quite interesting from certain people who are always willing to take that plunge. And some people that like just aren't. When you were growing up, what 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 sort of why did you why did you do it? Did you have people in your life at that point who were kind of pushing you forward to go and launch your own thing, or what was the situation? No, so my um, I often wonder that because there was no sort of a role model. You know, my, my dad's never really been in my life. My mum and my, my grandparents were never big earners. You know, they had quite conventional standard sort of nine to five type jobs for minimum wage. I grew up on a council estate, so it was never around 
you know, money or, or anyone sort of leading that business ownership entrepreneur type path. So I don't know exactly where it came from, mate, but just growing up, I, I don't know. I, I always just had an eye on, on, on wanting to do something more. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say I was ever, I had a very, very good childhood, but we didn't have a great deal. And as I've kind of got older, I started to pursue, I didn't know where I wanted to take my career. So I've always enjoyed fitness and sport and I knew I wanted to do something in health and fitness. So for a while I thought, well, whilst I don't know what I'm going to do, I don't know what the future looks like. I've got no money. I've got no savings. There's no bank of mum and dad. I don't know what I'm going to be doing 10 years from now. I might as well just start doing something that I enjoy. So I got involved with health and fitness in terms of higher education, at school and college and university, just because it kind of I don't know, allowed me to uh, kind of explore that interest. That's something that was a genuine passion. And it was only really when I came out of university and I started to realize that there's not actually a great deal of money in sport. And especially at that time when I graduated, there was a lot of cutbacks in the space. And I just thought I need to do something to, I guess, kickstart my career and get me in a position where I can actually earn a few quid and get myself out of my mum's house and, you know, start building a life for myself. And when I was at university, sort of trying to get my degree, I just fell into sales roles. I was, you know, going door to door, selling talk talk and home broadband to people who already had, you know, an internet service and home broadband. So I got chased out of more gardens than I can remember, but trying to do door to door sales commission only. I earned a few quid doing that. And then when I graduated, I thought, well, do you know what? I might as well take that sales experience, try and get somewhere where I can earn some commission rather than being on a minimum wage. And I just jumped on Google one night, you know, graduate trainee programs or whatever. And the first thing that came up just by, you know, sheer coincidence was like a local estate agency. And they said, look, if you've got a degree, we'll take you on. And I had a conversation with them and uh, yeah, I got a bit of a crash course in the industry. And after probably only 12 months, 18 months, I thought, you know what? I can really imagine doing this for myself. I think I could do it better. If I was steering the ship, I'd do it in this way. And then the seeds started to be planted then for what went on to be obviously my career for the best part of the last sort of 10 years or so. So there was never like any master plan in terms of what I was going to do in terms of exploring those entrepreneurial endeavors. I just always think I had this like inherent desire within me to want to improve my circumstances, whichever direction that took. But it was only as I got a little bit older, I realized, you know what, I need to take ownership over my own ship here rather than working for someone else for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. What what was the let me let me take you back to and and like share as much detail as you as you want to. Our, our story there was very, very similar back to like the early days. So dad left home for me when I was like three and I very like don't remember anything really the odd mm. kind of going out. And there was probably more occasions when we kind of saw each other and went out for a day or whatever, but there wasn't too many times where you look back and think, oh, we had some real, real quality time together. It sounds like you're similar. I, I look back at those moments for me and I think, that has been a really, really, in one way, really helpful because it builds this really weird layer of like resilience, doesn't it? When you don't necessarily grow up with a, a consistent like father figure or, or, you, or your dad, something happens. And, and I don't know what it is, but you almost get to the point where, where like for me, I just think like, fuck it, what's the worst that can happen? Like you test so many things growing up and you probably don't get the advice you need, but you kind of push you forward to keep testing stuff and doing stuff. And I think for me, that's probably where it's come from. But is yours, like, do you have a similar mindset to that? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, 
growing up in a single parent family, like my nana was a massive influence on me. So my mum's mum pretty much like raised me. I'd, I'd spend like half the week with her and half the week at home with the mum. So kind of had two parents, but not in a conventional way. And whether or not the dy- dynamic in our relationship and how close I became to my nana, if my dad was there, you know, that might have influenced it and changed it because I'd have more of a traditional type family setup. So I'm, I'm very happy that things mapped out the way that they did because of the relationship that I got from being so close to probably closer than most people would be to a grandparent. But they always kind of enforced this thing of, you know, you're very capable, you know, you've got a lot of potential. Like there was a lot of love, a lot of care, a lot of encouragement uh, when I was young. And 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 who knows, maybe, maybe that did come because maybe they were thinking, oh, his dad's left and, in, you know, his own, we, we need to give him a bit more, maybe like encouragement than, than maybe what they otherwise would have. I, I, I don't really know, mate, but I think for sure, not having him there, I don't feel hindered me in any way, shape or form. I think it's probably the opposite, actually, because I got a really good grounding. Whilst we didn't have much, I had a lot of love and a lot of, uh, you know, a really tight, small, but a real tight family. And I think that's kind of definitely put me in good stead, you know, for later life. And also, you know, I know that this is quite heavily centered towards dads. It also showed me how not to be a dad. <laughs> uh, so when it comes to, you know, being a parent and uh, speak more more about this, I guess, in, in a few minutes, but I've got three children now. And, you know, the last thing that I want is for them in 20 years to have a relationship or a lack of relationship with me like I've got with my dad. That would be my worst nightmare. So I think in more ways than one, obviously from a career point of view and personal sort of development, I think it's it's kind of helped me looking back, but certainly in terms of helping me, uh, showing me what a father is not has, has definitely helped me for you know the position that I'm in in my life now with the three children that I'm blessed to have. Yeah, for sure. Let's go let's go to your your days earlier in your in your career because you talked about so you moved into estate agency that's again he's like like for me it's just another indicator you, you need resilience in that industry I think if you're being conventional and I, I don't see you as like very conventional to be fair and certainly like from what I've seen over the last couple of years but I guess in the early days you kind of toe the line don't you when you join a new industry you see what's been done and how it's been done you join a company you just kind of do the same thing I guess yeah uh, what was it like in the in the first few years for you going into a, a total new industry that you that you that you kind of gelled with quite early on and, and got stuck into yeah, well, I think again, I was really lucky. So the company that I started working with, mate, they was a, they weren't like a traditional, conventional, you know, sleepy, you know, lack of proactivity, stereotypical estate agent. They were privately owned but growing rapidly, and they had like these visions of transforming the space and innovation and improving the consumer experience and selling properties faster for more money. And that was the first experience I had of the industry, and because without boring people with the details, because I know this isn't really an estate agency audience, but the, the setup was that we weren't nationwide, but we had like a central hub that had a couple of hundred members of staff in, you know, like sort of telesales people and managers and people overseeing marketing. So under one roof in a quite a small office, you had hundreds of like amazing forward thinking people. So that was like a melting pot of education. So whilst I only worked with those guys for maybe a couple of years or slightly less, it was like a crash course. So the information that I got, the knowledge that I got about the industry really sort of, I'd say it's probably the equivalent to a five or 10 year career working for somewhere that was maybe a bit more relaxed, if that makes sense. 
So it instilled like a lot of behaviors and a lot of beliefs that again have served me well moving forward. And whilst they were a bit of a whirlwind, but what a good company to work for, that definitely gave me that that solid foundation to think, do you know what? This industry is one that's ripe for improvement. This is an industry where there is gray space, where people are resting on the laurels. Whilst it's competitive and no town across the country is short of an estate agent, pretty much every town is short of an estate agent to do things properly, to put some care into the marketing, to be proactive, to be hungry to earn a commission. It's typically an industry that relaxed, set in its ways, a bit backward looking, not really leading with innovation. So all those things kind of excited me. And I think that's probably what made me set my first business up back in 2012, if I'm going to be honest with you, Nathan. And that's what's kind of kept me going since. And obviously now in the model that I'm in, we're growing incredibly quick. You know, I spearhead a lot of growth for a company called EXP. We're a global brokerage, if I can use that term. We was born in America. We're climbing towards 100,000 agents now across the planet. We've got coming up to 500 agents in the UK alone. And, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for bringing in a load of those people and helping other entrepreneurs start their journey. So it's definitely come full circle. And I feel as though we're improving the industry for the better, just not probably in the way or in the vehicle that I thought I would have been doing 10 years ago when I set up that first business, you know, but it's funny how things, how things work out. Yeah. There, there was, we, we, so I, I speak to a lot of people in, from the world of recruitment and one of the, I think the best piece of advice, I think you've actually just, just nailed it with that. Like one of the best pieces of advice for dads that are thinking about doing like a career pivot at whatever stage in life. And they're nervous about joining a new industry because they lose a bit of cash and they don't want to start again, yeah. um, is to go and speak to companies who are genuinely like really, really leading in their space because the yeah. knowledge will pick up very, very quickly with the skills you've already acquired over five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years of, of doing your career will accelerate your growth really, really fast on it. A hundred percent. I mean, if you get, you know, if, if you're going into a new space or you're looking to embark on a new challenge or you can see yourself growing a business in a different niche that you've not worked in before, I think surrounding yourself with good people that know that space that can give you an education and by the way, pay you for it. It's yeah. incredible because, you know, I went to university and spent tens and tens and tens of thousands of pounds to upskill myself. And I learned a few things and I had a great experience and drank a lot of tequila and, you know, <laughs> ate a lot of white pasta and baked beans and met some cool people who are my friends today. So I love the experience. But in terms of actual education and what I learned and how I developed as a professional, I learned so much more in two years working for that. I mean, I wasn't making mega money, but I was getting paid 20, 25 grand a year or whatever for an education essentially that allowed me to go on and make much more money in, in kind of later life. So that's the way that I look at it. If, it. if you kind of feel as though, I heard this on a podcast, Nathan, that it, when it comes to your career, you need to make sure your ladder's up against the right wall because the situation is, is that if you spend years and years and years and years and years and years climbing to the top of a ladder to get to the top of your game, to be the master of your craft and you get to the very top step of the ladder and you look around and then realize, shit, I'm up against the wrong building you need to jump down and, and start again from step one. So the sooner you can get your ladder against the right wall and start taking steps to climb that ladder, the sooner you're going to be to live in a more, I guess, a happier and more fulfilled life, doing something that you actually feel passionate about. Um, and people doing things to feel passionate about is something that I feel quite passionate about. <laughs> it's, it's the best advice. Seriously, the best advice. It's the most practical advice, I think, because... But I've gone. To, I've just gone through the process, and we've just spoken. hundred percent, hundred percent. That could have been more relevant to what you've just done in in the last few weeks. Like, and do you know what? Good on you. Yeah, and the blockers were this. The blockers were. I'm gonna have to take a hit financially, and that was it. Like that. That was the thing. And and then you step back and you go, well, firstly, when you're doing something you then love to do, like you are quite happy to cut things out of your life that you don't need. 
Like it's very, very easy. And I know it feels hard, but it's very, very easy to save yourself five, six, seven, eight hundred quid grand a month by just cutting crap out that you never do, like daily trips to Costa or something, which I know is is like really, really small things. And I don't want to that guy who says don't do the whole avocado on toast things, but just little, little things that like I have a ton of subscriptions that I just never use ever. And and these things like they just mount up over time. It's very, very easy to cut your cost to a to a level and then get into another role. And you probably still won't earn as much if you if you, you know there, there, I know there are some dads out there who'll probably be hitting like you know 100, 120, 150 grand in a corporate career that they that they dislike massively and, and their costs are massive with huge mortgages and stuff. So it, it becomes more complex. But for the dads that are you know 30, 40, 50, 60k a year who are just totally pissed off doing what they're doing there's definitely an opportunity to change it and and slowly starting to test in little side projects that you've always been kind of inquisitive about. And, and then ultimately, hopefully, if they work, starting taking that, that leap and doing something you don't particularly want to do for 12 months, like I'm doing taxi driving, for example, to build adversity, there's always a way of doing it, isn't there? There, there really is, mate. And the way that I always think about it is that at some point in your life, like time escapes no man, old mm. woman, but for this podcast, escapes no man. And at some point, you're going to look back and when you look back, no doubt there's going to be things that worked out, went really well, went better than expected, things that didn't work out, that you tried, that you didn't enjoy, you know, setbacks that you had, people who let you down, people that you made lifelong friendships with. But ultimately, when you look back on your life, you want to be not full of regret. So I think you need to pay your dreams more respect than you pay your failures. You know, you, you can't be paralyzed by fear and what could go wrong. Sometimes you need a degree of realism, but you need to start getting excited about what could go right. And I know it sounds quite wishy-washy and maybe like something that someone with a beard would say, but when you start to follow your passions and follow your dreams and follow your gut and what you know is right and what you want to be doing, like I'm not saying money's not important. Of course it is, especially with children and families to look after, but you know, your, your life is more than going to work for 40 hours a week to pay the bills, to get to be on this constant hamster wheel of trying to survive. And if you can be happy and fulfilled in what you're doing, then I think you're winning at life. You, you know, you are. And you show up in a better capacity. Then, you know, when you're less stressed and you're doing something that, you know, fills your heart with joy, you turn up in a better capacity as a dad, as a partner, as a husband, as a as a friend, as a, as, as a business colleague. Do, do you know what I mean? So it kind of filters into other areas of your life. Yeah, it's mad. What's your mission? Like, what what are you, you, you seem really, really driven about a state agency, but I get the feeling there's something much deeper behind it rather than just selling homes to people. I get the feeling there's a bigger outcome. Like, what is it for you that, that drove you into that space and keeps you moving forward in it? Yeah, I mean, at, at the minute, and, and if I'm going to be perfectly honest, I love selling houses because I, I like, going back to what I mentioned before, there's, there's a lot of grey space in the industry. You know, a lot of people sell, a lot of estate agents, sorry, sell houses with no creativity, no imagination, no effort. They take a few substandard pictures, they stick it on right knee, they cross the fingers, they hope for the best. And a broken clock tells the right time twice a day. Occasionally they get it right, they make a few quid, they earn enough money to keep themselves in business and onward they plod. Whereas when it comes to selling houses, we like to put a bit more imagination behind it. We've got, you know, teams of people, professional photographers, lifestyle photographers. We've got stages. We've got video videographers. We effectively make TV programs around the houses that we sell. And that allows us to 
stand out in the market for all the right reasons. It allows us to charge a sensible commission to make good money so we can reinvest back into the customers of tomorrow. It allows us to get results where other agents failed and help people move from one chapter of their lives to the other. So there's something really nice and fulfilling about that part of what I do. And the fact that I get to almost think of my business like a media company that happens to sell houses, as opposed to an estate agency that's just going through the motions wearing poorly fitted suits and shiny shoes. So the experience for me is very different to what it might be if you used to chat, sit down and chat to most estate agents. But I honestly think, Nathan, that when I kind of think of myself and what makes me tick, I think I'm an entrepreneur that happened to fall into property. I'm not an estate agent that fancies being an entrepreneur, if that makes sense. So going back to the kind of broader scope of my business, whilst I sell houses, and obviously I've got clients on the file coast, and I know we're connected on Facebook, and you probably see some of the, the results and the new listings and all the rest of it. A big part of my role is helping people just like me do exactly what I've done over the last few years. So it was only, you know, with 2023 now, it was only the end of 2019, I was out of property because, as I mentioned before, I bought a house, I became asset rich, cash poor, the money that I had went into putting a deposit down, I ended up working where you was, last time we spoke actually, I was working in the Devere in, in, in near Stanley Park, working in the gym, uh, doing shift work, you know, not getting out till half 11, some nights, getting home at midnight, missing school runs, skipping sports days, because I was you know, having to be in that 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 spot. I was a personal trainer, but <clears throat> effectively I was a glorified cleaner, it is what I was. And I wasn't happy, knew that I wasn't on the right path, wasn't making the right sorts of money. And I went through all the fears that you just did in doing diversity, but managed to swallow and park those fears and put my dreams ahead of it. And I started a business and my life changed dramatically over the last few years. So now that experience has put me in a really good position to help other people that are living a life which is unfulfilled. They're not making the right money. They're not getting the value. They're not spending the time they want with the children. They've not got the relationships that they want with the family, with the partners. I'm helping these people do exactly what I did in terms of starting their own agency and kind of growing without the usual risk and without the usual expense. So again, I'm an estate agent, but I'm also an entrepreneur. So the entrepreneur in me now is really motivated and switched on to the fact that I can help people change their lives and change their family's lives by empowering them to earn more money and to build a business in their mind's eye rather than frog marching along for minimum wage to what someone else says. So I'm, I'm really motivated by that impact to help other estate agents succeed. And I know this sounds quite profound, but we are literally changing the industry. You know, in a few years, we've grown from zero agents to at this point, I think we've got 470 partners now across the country. We're roughly doubling every 12 to 18 months is the trajectory that we're on. So when I say we're changing the space, we really are changing the space and we're doing that by empowering people to do things their way on terms that they set. And as long as we can look after the estate agent and the business person, they're making more money, they're more incentivized, they're happier, and they're turning up in a better capacity for their clients, which means better results and a better experience. And as we said, we joked at the start, a recruiter and estate agent, all we need now is a parking warden. You know, estate agents aren't viewed in a very good light by the general public. So by helping improve things for the agent and therefore improving things in the consumer's eyes, we're then lifting the perception of an entire industry, which means more money, more revenue and, and better standards for everyone. So yeah, the picture for me is much bigger than selling a few houses in Blackpool, if that makes sense. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but I enjoy both sides of my business and feel very blessed to do what I do. What's the, and I think the mission is is vital, isn't it? But what, what's <laughs> the, I remember a few months ago, seeing a post from you about fitness kind of unpinning, or sorry, underpinning your like daily <clears throat> 
eating habits you've you, you seem to lean quite heavily into it and obviously we spoke there about you having a, a background in fitness working at at the Devere at the time and then exiting that industry it feels like something that you've carried on as a daily habit where possible I guess with kids I know it's it's hard to do it daily but what kind of do you, do you feel like that has a, a major part to play in in your success inside of a state agency and how often are you committing to fitness now these days yeah it's, it's been enormous Nathan so, so obviously like I am um... I'm not going to regurgitate my whole story because we've just touched on it. But my background is in health and fitness. My degree was in exercise science. I spent years studying the impact that physical activity has on our mental health and our physical state. I know from firsthand experience how that helps you show up or not show up, depending on how you're dialed in in other areas of life. There are a few people out there <clears throat> that understand the benefits of physical activity on the human mind and the human body the way that I do. Yet a few years ago, I started a business. I had three children. I was stressed. I was trying to be there for my clients. I'm doing viewings. I'm all over the place, doing valuations, taking calls, handling admin. And even with all that knowledge and with that background and having been in reasonable shape for my early adult life, I still slipped into this bad cycle where I was busy. I was tired. I was getting to bed late. My sleep was suffering. I'd wake up, feel a bit stressed. The kids would start doing my head in, would get a takeaway instead of cooking from home. I wasn't prioritizing movement because I was so busy on the phones and trying to grow the business. And suddenly I found myself in a point where I'd gone from quite lean and quite healthy and in a good place physically when I started my business to effectively being obese, you know, 18 months into the process because I just let the pressures of life get on top of me and I failed to prioritize what is ironically the most important thing we've all got, our health. And whilst I was getting more successful in business, my health was paying the price for it, if that makes I mean, sense. Did you get what when you say obese? How do you remember like what sort of weight you 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 hit and weight where you are now? Yeah, well, I'm five eight, so just to put it into context for anyone who's listening and can't see me, or even if you are watching, I guess I'm not stood up, but I'm five eight, so I'm not a big guy. I was about 16 and a half stone, which mm. is obviously quite big for someone of this height. Now, well, I've been doing it in kilograms, about 80.5 kilograms, I think I am now, so. Probably lost about, I don't know what the conversions is on that, 20 key, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the impact that that's had, again, going back to what I said before, on my business performance, like I've got more energy, I'm sleeping better, and I'm showing up in a better capacity because of that with my clients. I'm more patient with my children. I'm more present because I feel more level-headed and, and, and a lot of the stress that I was typically feeling has been washed away slightly. And I feel like I've started to get the balance now between work life fitness i always think of my life nathan not to go too deep into this but the circle of life is much more than just making money that's important but i think of it in in, in quadrants so you've got health you've got wealth you've got love and your relationships and you've got your fulfillment so something that you feel passionate about doing so i'm always trying to make sure that i've got the best balance that i can between those four things and one thing that I've noticed about myself in the past and maybe other dads listening to this can can relate I'm very all in so I've got a type a personality so if I launch a business that I feel super passionate about making a successful 
it's like fuck everything else not going to the gym i'm going to invest i'm going to plow 23 hours out of 24 a day into growing this business and in some ways that's good for moving the needle on that particular goal but it's actually a very negative thing if it means that everything else starts to suffer and your relationships are going down and your health suffering because of it and you're gaining weight and you're not sleeping and you're not looking after yourself and other things start to wane so i'm trying to get better at not going all in into one area and sort of better balance those four quadrants if that makes sense and i kind of feel as though now i'm in a good place for that and the reason why i've got myself in a good place is through education i don't want to get myself obese again because that was not a good place to be in but also i've removed some of the barriers to entry so i know you mentioned there about it's not always easy to get to the gym and to keep fit and you can't always do it every day especially with kids i can't do that and whether it's excuses or whether it's legitimate reason you know they were barriers to entry so what i do now and this is just my preferred way of training i've got very kettlebells i've got a light set of kettlebells i've got a middle set i've got a very heavy set i'll get a mat out at home which is in my understair storage and i'll just roll the mat out and for 30 40 50 minutes a day i'll just go hell for leather smashing my kettlebells i'll train at home in in my dining space and for me that works because i don't need to travel to the gym i don't need to work in you know school runs and whatnot everyone everyone however busy you are you can find 30 minutes yeah, you're to, right. to dedicate yourself if, if you want to. And, and that's been a really good way for me to kind of break that cycle of excuses and, and get myself on a progressive path towards improving my health. So it's been huge for me, mate, but I'm, I'm training very happily at home at the moment. <laughs> oh, you're right. I make terrible excuses and that, that's the excuse. It's like, oh, I've got to get my gear. I've got to get in the car. I've got to sit in traffic. Suddenly an hour becomes an hour and a half. And then you look at it and go, well, it's half 10. I'm too late in the, in the working day. Kids are gone. Like, and you do just make these excuses. And reality is like home, home workout what guy on youtube called body coach chat just get it done yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 100 um, percent. and um i don't know mate like i, I don't know if it's, it's interesting so so joe wicks like I've, I've spoken to him a few times obviously from fitness like i'm not going to say like we're best mates or whatever i'm not trying to drop names just connected on social media uh, but i spoke to him a, a few times and it's like for whatever reason his marketing whether it's just like his style and the way that he is like his audience is like 80% female. Most of his subscribers are female. Most of the people who are viewing his YouTube videos are very heavily weighted towards female. Now, I've followed a lot of those workouts. Again, I've got the education. I, I know my science. I know how my body responds. I know the benefits of lifting weights and doing HIIT training. And I, I get it. But I, what I lacked, I needed someone to hold my hand and be like, okay, I'm going to talk you through this workout. Someone to just get on a camera, just show me what to do for 20 minutes. Let me just park my brain and just I'll just follow along blindly to whatever session you're giving me. And just having someone leading the way for me was powerful. And when I got the transformation, like he shared it and I had loads of people messaging me, like mainly men messaging me saying, did this really work? Have you joined the body coach? Because people think, oh, it's for women because it tends to be women that, I don't know if there's something not masculine about working out but not in a gym or doing bodyweight squats instead of being under a rack people think it's not effective but, it, but it, do you know what i mean but it's like it's nothing to do with gender like there's no such thing as a male squat or a female squat or a male burpee or a female burpee like your body responds accordingly to the stimulus that's placed upon it and as long as your nutrition strategy complements the goal that you've got for yourself and you're moving enough you're going to achieve that goal of what in my case was fat loss and improved fitness and mental clarity. Um, and I thought it was really interesting that so many blokes couldn't understand that. Like, you think I'll miss working out from home? Do, do, yeah. do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like it's more female acceptable, but men think, oh, I need to go to the gym and lift weights and do deadlifts and Dude, drink protein shakes and all the rest of it. Like it's, it's what, what are you benching? It's like, who cares a shit? 
really but that is, that is that's the i think that's the perception isn't it guys are in the weight room and 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 that's it i think you're right i feel like you're not being or you feel like you're not being productive if you aren't lifting big heavy weights which is crazy isn't it it is what it is yeah what, yeah what's the you, you've looked you like I, i've got a huge amount of like admiration for what you've done and the way you've tried to like reshape an industry both career-wise like your upbringing everything else because it's never been like perfect circumstances to do what you've done it's hard to shape a new industry as well it's really really hard I've, I've done it in recruitment and tried and failed on a couple of occasions and so i've got huge huge admiration for the work that you're doing and continue to do what's your you've got three kids one in high school two in primary school what's your advice to them and i know this is there's no kind of blanket one piece of advice but is there is their dad like looking at them as they kind of go through school and start to moving forward in their in their lives like what what's what's the golden thing you'd give them i i think it's i don't know for me mate i think in not to kind of like blur the lines too much between like business talk and entrepreneurship and you know the corporate world and being a dad because the two obviously exist very separately but i think one common goal is that the best way that you can inspire someone the best way that you can empower someone the best way that you can instill positive habits to last you a lifetime be that in business or for children growing up is to lead by example and, and I think probably one thing that me and my partner Becky do really well is we lead by example so she's got a business she works very hard she's got beliefs around you know nutrition and what's right and what's wrong morally I've got my beliefs in terms of business and how hard I work and how I turn up in what capacity even things like working out from home you know I was doing a workout only last night my little girl sat at the island in the kitchen doing a coloring and doing word searches or whatever and I'm next to her absolutely dying to death from burpees on the floor but although she's not watching me and she's very much more interested in a coloring than she is my workout she's subconsciously taking in oh dad's working out and I often ask her, do you know why daddy does exercises? Why does daddy do exercise at home? Because it makes him feel good, because it gives him more energy, because we're healthy, because it gives us you know, more energy to go and play outside and ride the bike. And so they're starting to get this education, this grounded, not by what we're saying necessarily, but from what they're seeing. And I think for any parent slash any leader, the best way to instill those values is to lead by example. And, and I think that's one thing that... I'm not saying that we get everything right as parents, we're, we're far from perfect, but one thing that we're trying to do is get better at, at, at showing them the way rather than just telling them if that makes sense. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. And and we'd spoken a lot on this podcast about this kind of generational knowledge wealth that dads are creating for their kids to create the right behaviors for them moving forward. And there's a real connection between dads who are doing well in their in their career and building some really cool things work-wise versus fitness versus kind of the knowledge that kids are getting there's like this intersection between the three which seems to be consistent with with dads doing all those other two things really well and then delivering against that knowledge wealth but ben thank you thank you so much for that i've really really genuinely enjoyed speaking to you it's been good to get to know you a little bit more we we don't know each other on a kind of personal level so hearing those stories it's just incredibly insightful and enjoyable to hear your your kind of story and, and where you're heading i wish you all the all the success in the future as well with it Mate, I really appreciate it, Nathan. And likewise, mate, it's been a pleasure chatting to you as well. And yeah, I appreciate you inviting me onto the pod, mate. And best of luck with everything that you're trying to build. A lot of admiration for you too, buddy. Thanks. Appreciate it, man. Good, man.